who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. This story is a fairy tale, but not the syrupy sweet kind. It has teeth, and parts of it are scary. Suggested listening age is seven and up, and if you're a grown-up still protecting a child within, this show's for you too. Realm presents a Dagaz Media production of Fay and Fiends, an original story for audio by Fred Greenhalge. Episode 2, Out of the Frying Pan. Things had gotten very strange for Lizzie ever since she went with her mother on a trip to Maine. They discovered the old farmhouse. Her grandma got hurt. Her Aunt Debbie tried to kill her. She escaped with a goat that could for some reason talk not just to humans, but also to squirrels. And if that wasn't strange enough, now she met a talking tree. And not a very nice one. In fact, the ghoul tree with its snaky vine-like branches strung Lizzie and the goat up by their legs leaving them to hang with all the blood rushing to their heads. I feel woozy. Yeah, uh, hanging from your head will do that. What's going to happen to us? Well, you probably don't want me to tell you that part. I'm mad at you, goat. Hey, that's not fair. I, I, I saved your life. That's not how I remember it. I remember me saving you. Call it a tie, then. What do you think your aunt's plan was? To do something mean to you. Only because my magic protects you and your family from her brother. Her brother? You mean my granddad's cousin, Carlo? (laughs) What? You shouldn't speak his name here. 
Who? Carlo? Yes! So I shouldn't say Carlo? No! He said do not speak his name, you fool! Why not? Carlo, Carlo, Carlo! Look at that. I... Lizzie, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have warned you. Run! Now! Go as fast as you can from this place. Why? No! Not without my goat. Bitter shins will not be deprived. Carlo, Carlo, Carlo. Okay, okay. Go, go, go! Run! Be gone! <laughs> yeah, seriously, let's go! That's awesome. I scared off the ghoul tree. Uh -huh. And you invited great destruction upon us. Come on! What are you talking about? We have to get away. As far as we can. Lizzie, climb up on my back. What's happening? Speaking of Warlock's name has great power. You brought us to Carlo's attention. And he said wars. The goat doesn't tell Lizzie what wars are. But she doesn't have to wonder long. In seconds, a wolf the size of a small pickup truck leaps out from behind a boulder and blocks their path. A moment later, there's another, and another. Now you, you, you back off, all of you. You, you, you hear me? Lizzie here is a descendant of the Greenway clan. <laughs> Greenway, their name has no power here. The only one with any power is Carlo. You wish us to fear you, you sad creature! <laughs> or what are you even? <laughs> He's a goat! Listen to what he said! A goat? Ah, were it only that? Ah, at least if you were a goat, you'd be content, completing your farm. You're nothing of the sort. You're missing something, aren't you? Boo! Ah! <laughs> I, I, I may be missing my horn, but I still have magic. <laughs> Maybe what's left of you can be considered magic in the world of humans. But over here, you're nothing but warg food. Pack, it's time to eat. Save the girl for the master. And rip her on the go. See, you stay close to me. Come here. Oh. move in as if evaluating which piece of the goat they want to take first. Lizzie and the goat spin in the center of them, helpless. The first one moves to strike, then... Someone blasts a hunting horn! The wargs all step back. The horn rings out again. And the wargs leap back, whining as a strange figure strides towards them, tall and gangly, with bark-like skin and a great mane of hair. The creature wears a ring of bones around their neck and carries a set of huge scissors in one hand, a hunting horn in the other. Wittershins! It is Wittershins the troll. Now in all the fairy tales you've heard, trolls are the enemies of people, and perhaps this is true, but they are also stewards in their way. What life is left in the ghoul tree forest, Wittershins supervises. The troll keeps what's left from decaying into oblivion, and strange carnivorous trees are better than wasting away to nothing at all. How now? Who are you? And what are you doing in my woods? Uh, we come in service of his lord, Carlo. Uh, 
I don't recall Carlo having any domain in the dead end forest. If you are wise, you would respect the great world. If Carlo were wise, he wouldn't go sending goons along to collect my supper. Now, off with you. Oh, no! We will not leave without our prize. I said it! <laughs> Yeah, run away now. Just like I called you to. If Carlo wants something in my woods, you'll send him up to collect it personally. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Wittershins. You saved us. <laughs> Save you? I expected to just like I told those dwarves I would. Eat you for supper. You what? Gulotries. Snag them. Oh, yes. And don't you let me catch you letting good food go again. No, no, I won't. Ah, mighty hard to find a bite to eat around here. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. I must do. I must do. Eating kettles I can cook you. What do we do now? You're the one who invoked disaster by speaking the name of a warlock whose minions could only be stopped by the intervention of a hungry troll. Getting out of this situation falls on you. 
That's not fair. I don't know anything about where we are, what we're doing, and why we're here. How can I know what I'm supposed to do? Well, you have a point. You have a point. I just, I assumed your family would have taught you more. The Greenways have managed that enchanted forest for like 300 years. But now, it seems, no longer. Not since what happened to your mom and me. Okay. Okay, think. Think, Calendrial, think. I do. <laughs> I got something. <clears throat> Wittershins, come parlay. Thank you, but I don't take to conversing with my dinner. Gives me indigestion. Ah, well, if you're worried about digestion problems, you really shouldn't eat me, then. What? What are you getting at? Ah, never mind. Just trying to trick me. Oh, no, no, that, that, that's fine. I'm not the one who's uh, deathly allergic to unicorns. Huh? Unicorn? What's this talk about unicorn? Yeah. Unicorns are all wiped out. What? Wish I thought of it first, actually. Well, regardless of what you think happened, I, I am, in fact, a unicorn. Just, well, a, a warlock took my horn. A, a warlock who, if you recall our earlier conversation, we were just talking about. Call that at you. You mean, nah, you're making up stories. You silly goat, stop trying to distract me. Next thing I know, you'll be trying to get out of this by playing a guessing game. Oh, well then, could we? Could we what? And could we play a guessing game? No, what would be the point of that? To prove to you that I am a unicorn. Why does it matter to me, one way or the other, whether you're a unicorn or not? Because trolls are deathly allergic unicorn meat. Oh, I never heard any such thing. Oh, so you'd risk dying of unicorn poisoning? I'll risk my supper getting away if I keep palavering with you. Now, Lizzie, dear, you know all about unicorn poisoning, right? Me? No. I, uh, <coughs> of course. Yeah, my fifth grade teacher, Miss Janice, she just finished a workshop with us on, um, troll and unicorn biology. Uh-huh. Trolls have something in their, um, their, their small intestine, okay? That's allergic to unicorn, um, things. Meat! Unicorn meat. Very deadly. Oh, how deadly? It kills them. Oh, in a nice way or a, a not very nice way? Oh, it kills them in the worst, most worst, terriblest way you can imagine. It, um, it starts by melting their feet. Melting their feet. What? Melting their feet, so then all the blood starts draining out of their bodies. And, um, it makes their blood drain slower, so it takes a really, really long time. And they know it's happening the whole time. That's horrible. But true. Yep. Her advice was that if we were ever going to get into a situation where you met a troll who planned on eating a unicorn, you tell them to let the unicorn go as quickly as possible. Oh, fine, fine. You ought to be free, you wretched goat. Unicorn, whatever you are. And you get... <coughs> go on. At least I still give you one scrumptious human child to eat. 
Sorry, Lizzie. Lizzie looks on in terror. Wittershins comes at Lizzie, slashing and gnashing with his gargantuan scissors as he goes. <laughs> Go! That teaches you to put your trust in magical beings at last. Lizzie looks at the troll in terror before glancing just to the side to look at the goat one more time to show her betrayal. But the goat is gone. Or is he? And it's time to teach you that unicorns learn all the troll pressure points in unicorn school. As Wittershin staggers back, the keys to Lizzie's shackles fall from the troll's belt. The goat dashes in, hooking the keys on his stump and flinging the keys towards Lizzie. Quick, Lizzie! The keys land on the ground within inches of her fingers. Come on, come on, come on, come on! She leans, stretches, grabbing at the dirt. Then she has him. Okay! I will not be without my supper! But without his supper, the troll will be. The goat darts between Wittershin's legs and then is on the other side, rushing toward Lizzie. And up you go! Come back here, you delicious human! And then they're off, running, leaping, dashing, and dodging through the ghoul tree forest. Before, most of the trees in ghoul tree forest were dead-looking things, hollowed out and black. But now they're alive, and they have teeth. Catch them! Catch my supper! The trees lash out with angry branches and the goat ducks under. The roots spike up and the goat ducks over. Left, right, under, over, center, the goat dodges it all. The gold trees get thicker and Lizzie suddenly realizes with a deep, cold terror in her heart, they can walk. They're closing in on them. Lizzie feels their branches scraping up against her skin like bony fingers. They've got the sleeve of her shirt trying to pull her arm, ripping the shirt instead. The ghoul trees nearly have Lizzie, their bony branch fingers, clawing into her clothes, poking into her skin, tugging her, pulling her off the goat as hard as they can, and her fingers start to slip. But then the goat brays triumphantly, and they are free. The delight doesn't last long, as Lizzie looks down to see the bright red streaks all across her skin and the chunks of fur and flesh missing from the goat. He's bleeding in lots of places. After a couple more steps, the goat collapses to his knees. That was was close! (sighs) Yeah, well, you're hurt. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, so are you. Yeah, well, um, we should get you to um, a veterinarian. Do they have veterinarians in Faye? Don't worry about me. I'm not a goat, remember? I'm a unicorn. Haven't you been paying attention? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, this is all a lot for me to take in. Yeah, I suppose it would be. Um, uh, here, uh, can you put your hands on my horn stub? What? Oh, yeah, I know it sounds kind of weird, sorry. It, it's just, um, what, I, I, I need some energy from someone pure of heart to get the magic flowing. 
Okay. Lizzie touches the goat's stubby horn, which is first cold to the touch. But then it has an inner warmth, and Lizzie can sort of see through the horn into the goat's mind, and they connect. And she imagines a river, and how water flows down the river, and the horn gets warmer to the touch. And suddenly she is feeling better. The gashes from the ghoul trees go away. The goat's fur starts mending back up. The horn gets warmer and warmer and... Youch! Oh! <laughs> okay, okay! <laughs> That's good! Oh! That's the healing magic and it worked! Oh, good, Lizzie. Oh, you are definitely from the Greenway family. <laughs> but I don't know about my family at all. I grew up in the big city. My mom never wanted to come home to Maine. Oh, I always told your grandma she didn't have to stay and look after me, that I could keep your uncle away myself, but she insisted. And now she's hurt. Hey, goat. I mean, unicorn. <laughs> I mean... What's your name? Killindrio? <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's good. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Kalindriel. <laughs> but you can just call me Kyle. That's my nickname. Hi, Kyle. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too, Lizzie. Kyle, can you tell me a bit about my grandma? Sure. Where to start? Uh, well, she talks about you all the time, for one. She does? Oh, yes. Every time she comes to feed me, she says, Lizzie's up to this grade now, or, or, or Lizzie just did this. I, oh, yeah, she's very proud of you. What about my mom, then? Why don't they like each other? They love each other, Lizzie. Oh, your grandma adores your mother. Then why do they always fight? It's complicated, Lizzie. Your mom, she went through a lot when she was your age, and I think she blames her mom for it. Or more likely, she blames herself, but takes it out on your grandma. She doesn't tell me any of it. If I ask, all she says is she keeps it locked up in a box. <laughs> if only that worked for all of us. What? Why? Were you there? Yeah. Does this have something to do with how you lost your horn? Yes. There was a night when I crossed from my world into yours. I responded to your mother. Something changes in Kyle's eyes. Lizzie is used to him looking very present, like he's paying attention very closely to what's in front of him. But now, he looks like he's staring at something a hundred thousand miles away. What do you mean, responded to my mother? I told you how your family, the Greenways, have been stewards over their piece of forest. Do you know what I mean? No. Well, maybe. There was a tape from my grandpa. He said how he and the people in town knew about the magic things that happened in the forest. Including his cousin. Yes, Carl. <clears throat> the guy who's now a warlock. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah here. Uh, let me cast a warding spell. There. 
That will keep his name from getting outside our circle. I, uh, I think we're safe here. Safe-ish. There is nowhere in Fae that is immune from magical beasts. I think by the light of the stars... <laughs> well, we have at least a few hours before the cockatrice wakes. The cocka what? Uh, let's just keep talking. Now, to the matter of Carlo. I suppose it's your right to know a little about him. He was... is your grandpa's cousin. He's still alive? Unfortunately, he is. When your grandpa was your age, something terrible happened. Something that made things not right in Fae. Carlo attacked the Fairy Queen. He did. And after it happened, Carlo and the Queen tumbled back here into Fae. They landed at the base of the World Tree. The Fae Queen's seat of power, the tree whose roots are so strong that they connect all worlds. The tree whose energy feeds the great enchanted forest. She is, to us Fae folk, nothing less than a goddess. So the thought that someone might mean her violence the Fairy Queen looked upon Carlo, and she could have turned him to ash upon the spot, or, or perhaps a toad, or a, a wart on a toad, or perhaps a barnacle stuck at the highest reach of the reversing falls, with the rushing water constantly coursing his face, desperately thirsty, but only able to drink salt water from now until the end of eternity. But seeing how he was so young, she took pity on him and sent him across the great chasm to the furthest reaches of the land of goblins to see if perhaps the goblins would take him in. And they did. He was found by a family who lived in the mountain foothills. Carlo had nearly drowned in his journey through the magic spring, and so they spent their first few days nursing him back to health. Carlo started to learn the ways of the goblins, how to, to survive in the badlands, what is good food to eat, which plants are used as medicine and which as poisons. Indeed, as he grew older and proved a quick study, the Elder Goblin taught Carlos some of the lesser magics known to goblin kind. The ways to move silently through the Badlands. To capture the moon in your fist so you could have light. The magic to bend one shape into another form. Carlo learned with a hunger that gave pause to the Goblin Elder. The Goblin was not well versed in humans, but knew of their tendency to take more than is their share. To continue to take and take until something is gone. The elder saw this gleam in Carlo's eyes and refused to teach Carlo any more magic. This enraged Carlo and he responded by stabbing his elder, the goblin who had taken him in and raised him as his own, and burned their small house to the ground. 
with all the other members of his elder's family inside of it. Carlo took the goblin elder spear and hiked across the Badlands to Pike Mountain, the seat of the goblin king, to see if in the capital he might find another instructor more willing to teach him the ways of magic. But try as he might, Carlo could not get the Goblin King to offer him an audience. In time, others, disloyal agents in the lower court, recognized the gleam in Carlo's eyes and invited him to their secret meetings. Then what happened? Here, Carlo first learned of the plot to rise up against the Fairy Queen, a plot cooked up by goblins infected with a brain worm. A brain worm? What's that? And that's the very worst kind of fiend. A worm that's attracted to minds where corrupt ideas have taken hold. The worm gradually takes over the victim's mind and grows those corrupt ideas so big, they turn into terrible actions. Goblins in these secret meetings carried an ancient grudge against the Fae and used this grudge to justify their fiendish plot. This was the source of the worm. Even so, the worm may have stayed in these secret meetings forever had it not been for Carlo, who realized he could feed the worm and twist its ends to grow his own power. You see, while there is violence and strangeness in all of Fae, there is also harmony amongst the many magical species. All have their place and their home. There are those who play tricks and those who kill for sport. But those are balanced by those who levy kindness, by those who give of themselves. Those afflicted by the brain worm sought to upset this balance. The worm made their thinking go like this. If only the goblins could take the great forest for their own, the goblins would be able to claim their place as the rulers of all Fae and make the fairies and all the Fae folk their servants. Before this plot could be realized, they would first need to replace the current goblin king. Carlo soon convinced the infected goblins that it should be he, Carlo, on the throne. Did that happen? I'll spare you the details, Lizzie, but it did. Carlo took the throne and learned from the greatest wizards in the goblin court all that was known about goblin magic. Carlo made sure the brain worm spread far and wide throughout the kingdom. And soon goblins from the Pike Mountains to the edge of the Starry Sea were frothing at the mouth, gone mad by the sickness of the brain worm and eager to draw fairy blood. Yet Carlo could not deliver on the brain worm's promise. 
for the great forest of the Fey Queen has a most powerful enchantment, which stops invading armies from entering it. Carlo had promised a way to shatter this enchantment, and all the great goblin magi knew of only one which he did not have. The horn of the unicorn and the blood of a human child. No. Carlo knew just where to look. His sweet, innocent niece. He started visiting her in her dreams. Lizzie can see it clearly in her mind's eye. Her mother, a young girl now, asleep in her bedroom in the old farmhouse. A new kids on the block poster on the wall. My little pony dolls piled high on the four-poster bed. And suddenly, there is a rattle on the window. A tap, tap, tap that might be the wind blowing through the massive oak tree on the front lawn or the fingers of her uncle Carlo tapping on the window. <gasps> Cherie, Cherie, darling. <gasps> what? Who's there? It's your uncle Carlo. Uncle who? What do you want? Don't listen to your father, Cherie. Huh? The woods are your domain. He is a mean old man not to let you go play in the woods, to tell you there are dangerous things out there. You should play deeper in the forest. In fact, you should go out to the old empty wellspring. Do you know where that is? I can show you. Why would I? You love unicorns, don't you, Cherie? <laughs> Wouldn't you love to meet a real live unicorn? <laughs> I could help you meet one. Your mean old father won't let you. But your sweet Uncle Carlo, he can help you out. <laughs> Go there on the night of the full moon, and I will make all of your dreams come true. <sighs> your mother, like you, comes from a long line of the Greenway family. A family who has been entrusted with protecting the enchanted woods with its doorways to Fay. So when a Greenway child makes a request to the denizens of Fay, be they fairies, elves, dwarf, or uh, unicorn, they take their request seriously. I was so young then, <laughs> merely 120 and I left my brothers and sisters to follow the call of your mother. I crept down into the hollow beneath the world tree and followed the snaking passage until I arrived at the bottom of the empty well, the very place where Carlo had sprung on the Fairy Queen all those years before. Hello? Hello? Oh my! Hello! Dear Cherie Greenway, I, I, you, you called to me! You're really a unicorn! <laughs> you, you called to me, Cherie, and I came! <laughs> Your mother stared at me and I at her, each not sure what to do next or who should make the first move. 
But then, someone else moved. Gotcha! Oh, oh, no. Get off! Get off of me! Not until I get your horn! I didn't have much time to think about what Carlo did to me because in the next moment, he went running towards your mother. And that's when I realized what he meant to do. To stab her right through the heart with my stolen horn. <laughs> no! No! Uncle Carlo, go away! Go away! Oh, it will only hurt for a moment, Cherie. And then I will live on forever and ever and ever. Come on! Make your uncle proud. I intended to charge him, to fight, but I... I was scared. I was weak. Carlo would have killed your mother, except your grandpa showed up. Hold <laughs> still, you little... Get away! Get off, Carlo! Your grandpa leapt onto Carlo who held the unicorn horn in one hand and a vicious tooth blade in the other. Carlo lashed out at him, aiming for the throat, but your grandpa had pinned him. Carlo sunk to his knees, flailing wildly. Greenways are weak! You're so weak! Get out of here! Uh, now! Your mom stood still, aghast at the scene, and it was... Weird. Time doesn't flow in Fey like it does in your world. Though Carlo had experienced over a hundred years, he still looked like a teenager. It looked strange. Your, your grandfather, a, a grown man in his thirties at the time, attacking what looked like a teenage version of himself. Carlo pulled free of your granddad and stabbed him in the chest with the unicorn horn. <laughs> My fear broke and I was able to move again. I charged forward, knocking her onto my back as I started bounding up from the bottom of the dry well. Carlo was behind us, howling in rage, but a unicorn is faster than any human, and by the time we reached the top of the well, the portal to Fay had closed. Carlo was gone, and your grandfather lay dead at the top of the portal. There was no wound, no sign of the battle on your grandpa at all. His eyes were closed and his mouth was twisted, almost in a smile. But your mom, she was not fooled. When she saw his body lying there, she screamed. And she would not stop screaming. And now Kyle's story really is at an end. He stares out into space for a long, long while. And so does Lizzie. Until an earth-shuddering howl shakes them out of it. And that's the wailing of the cockatrice. Story time is over. Over? Wait, I don't understand. What do we do? How do we stop Carlo? Stop, stop. 
Lizzie, have you heard anything I've said? You are in grave danger. If you should fall into Carlo's hands, then the nothing in Faye will be able to stop him and the army of the infected. We must get you to the Fairy Queen's protection. Come on! And then what? What about my world? What about my mom? The Queen may be able to help with all that. May? The roots, the roots between worlds are weak. The road we use to take here is brittle. You mean I'm stuck here with my great uncle who wants to kill me? Come on, Lizzie, we have to go! Why didn't I get a choice in this? I followed you, I trusted you! Lizzie, we don't always get a choice in our fate. We only have a choice in how we handle it. And right now, our fate will be turned to stone and devoured by a cockatrice if we don't get a move on! Why does everything here want to eat us? The law of the jungle, quick! Okay! And whatever you do, don't look at it! Lizzie climbs the goat unicorn again and they bound off. And even though it's scary, even though Lizzie's heart is heavy with the family secret she has learned, she can't help but be bowled over by the beauty of the land of Fae. The horizon is a sea of glowing purple dawn, filled with dancing clusters of rainbow colors, maybe fairies. In the distance before, zoom! They're running downhill, head tipped back through the snarling black nails of the ghoul forest, then banking left quickly and charging across an open plain. It's catching up with us! <laughs> Just hold on to me, all right? Uh, uh, what are you doing? Why are you calling out like a bird? <laughs> Like a bird! Lizzie, really? I'm summoning us a weasel! Faye and Fiends was written, directed, and produced by Fred Greenhalgh. Executive producer, William Dufries. Associate producer, Casey Turner. Script consultant, Kat Howard. Sensitivity consultant, Elena Fernandez-Collins. You heard Marie Lane as Lizzie. Shannon Campbell as the storyteller. Dustin Tucker as Kyle the Goat. Ella Moak as Garrett the Weasel. Casey Turner as the mom, Cherie. Kim Dakin as Grandma Nora. Michael Dix Thomas as Grandpa Jack. Peter Burkrod as Uncle Carlo. Karen Lund as Aunt Debbie. Michael Dow as Medic 1. Christine Marshall as Medic 2, Garrett's mum, and Faye Althea. Chloe Koloski as Young Cherie. Lisa Boucher Hartman as Ghoul Tree, Cockatrice, and Water Elemental. Colby Elliott as Wittishens the Troll and Cecil the Gnome. Dalton as Kimball and Gary Hauger as The Wargs and Goblin Soldiers. Gregory Hauger as Young Carlo and Additional Goblins. Katie Gall as Wyvern Song. Maya Williams as Wind Elemental. Burke Brimmer as Dr. Bronson. Carrie Ann Loomis as Nurse Carly, Mariah Bergeron as the Fae Queen, Jessica Rainfield as Fae Cassandra, Chantal King as Fae Lieutenant, William DeFries as Giant, Goblin Supplicant, and Goblin Elder, Dylan Chestnut as Goblin Kid, Rachel Flanger as the Brainworm, James Herrera as Goblin Wizard, Tony Riley as Goblin Warrior, Ozma Caston as Glendora, 
and additional voices by the cast. Recorded by Fred Greenhalge on location at the Dear Old Farm in Berwick, Maine, and at Mind's Eye Productions in South Portland, Maine, both of which are traditional territory of the Wabanaki Confederacy. Assistant Director, Casey Turner. Production Assistant, Jessica Rainville. Dialogue Editing by Grace Waldron. Sound Design by Rory O'Shea. Additional Sound Effects by Mind's Eye Productions. Main Theme, World Tree Theme, and Carlos Theme by Peter Van Riet. Original Score by Frank Schulmeyer. Original Cover Art by Bethany Greenhalge. Episode Art by Simon Adams. See this amazing art, learn more about the world of the Fayian Fiends, and see behind the scenes of the recording process at our website, fayfiends.com. That's fay, F-A-E, fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S, dot com, fayfiends.com. Special thanks to the cast and family, and to Neanna Greenhalge, who listened to countless early versions of this work and made it better by constantly asking questions. A Fayian Fiends to Dagaz Media Production, dagazmedia.com. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.